Warm welcome. Welcome at uh, the Dutch Blockchain Day. It's great to have you uh, with us. Um, maybe uh, you can start with a short introduction about uh, yourself. How did your Web3 journey start and what is your organization actually doing? Dusk. Emanuela. Well, Dusk is a, is a very ambitious organization that tries essentially to uh, put real-world assets to uh, any user wallet. So what we're trying to do, we are trying to... Um, you know, ferry what is called DeFi into what we call the reg DeFi, regulated and decentralized finance. And of course, MICA is, uh, is a very important piece of the puzzle in, in our journey. So I'm very happy to be here to talk about it today. Yeah. Right. Martijn, who is Loof? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, my name is Martijn Schoonwiller, uh, part of uh, uh, one of the partners at Loins Loof. Loins Loof, for those who do not yet know them, it's uh, a European firm. Uh, we're basically the second largest European continental firm, 1,600 people, um, and a large part focuses on financial markets and products, and that's the reason why um, Mica is really on our radar. Um, maybe about the connection with Web3. Uh, basically, when I did my studies, uh, I did a little bit of uh, coding uh, next to uh, law. What kind of languages did you uh, Basically, it was the old days, right? So uh, just Java, Miranda, those type of uh, yeah. languages. Um, ultimately, I chose the legal path, which I still don't regret, even though may some, some may doubt it. More exciting. Uh, exactly. But in 2015, basically, when there was a spur of more questions around qualifications, regulatory qualifications about products, it basically came back together. So I participated in hackathons and since uh, been, been involved in, in monitoring the development. So uh, really pleased to... Uh, to speak today with uh, uh, with Emmanuel and Wieger on the topic. Yeah, Wieger, I guess you also have been uh, monitoring the developments uh, quite closely at Bitfavo. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my name is Wieger. Uh, I am working with uh, Bitfavo uh, as the head of the compliance team. Uh, well, Bitfavo, uh, one of the uh, Dutch uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, uh, have been active uh, for, uh, for nearly five years. Um, for me, this whole uh, um, journey into crypto and, and Web3 started when I was working with FlowTraders, my previous job, um, because yeah, we're now also on a crossroad. We now know that regulation is coming. Back then, this was 2017, uh, we wanted to dip our toes into crypto, but how do you do that? How do you do that compared to working in a regulated environment? So we try to set the standards ourselves, and it's really fun to now, for me as a lawyer, it's really fun to see how that actually now comes together in uh, in a regulation. Now, now compliance and compliance is, is a little, you know, for some people, a, a tough word. What is compliance? What is, what if you're compliant? Uh, compliant is, is that you uh, adhere to your, both your own rules and regulation, but also to the rules and regulations that you have uh, well, in, in the environment that you're active in. So internal code of conduct, but also the Dutch law. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, now or European laws for that matter. European right? law. So uh, yeah. I, I, I think compliance indeed sometimes uh, scares people. Yeah. Um, Why? No, because obviously there's a lot of rules involved. Um, Isn't that good? I, I think so, obviously, uh, for obvious reasons. But at the, at the same time, I think in general it's good because it just also makes sure that we have the market as we all would like it to have, being yeah. optimal uh, and making sure that people are not scared off to participate. So uh, indeed, compliance is usually a bit scary, but yeah. um, hopefully not after today. And <laughs> not after today, <laughs> of course. Um, I mean, next year, of course, the MECAR will be in place. Uh, most organizations, uh, I hope so, are already uh, implement implementing uh, the regulation. Um, is Dusk already compliant with the MECAR? 
Well, it's, uh, it, it is a very interesting question considering that compliance with Mika is uh, one of our um, ambition. Uh, there is still a lot that needs to be still defined, even, even though the regulation is currently getting more and more solidified, so to speak. And therefore, there are some uh, you know, fine-tuning details that need to be worked out also at the regulatory level. But indeed, uh, DASC is, uh, has always been very attentive to regulation. And therefore, we started our pathway since 2017, 2018 with regulation in mind. Yeah. And uh, uh, therefore, yes, I can safely and confidently say that uh, um, DASC will definitely uh, is definitely on the path for MICA compliance. Bitfavo as well, because it's a huge crypto exchange. Uh, we, we had a, like a, a, in a pre-discussion as well, like, are, are you ready? Yes, but also no. Because uh, if you look at the process of how regulation is being created, so MICA has been ongoing discussions since I think already four or five years ago, so when it was first uh, introduced. And now, like my LinkedIn feed last month have been like uh, uh, people cheering, like we finally have MICA and we now have a date. But then the work just starts because actually we know that we need to have rules about uh, uh, safekeeping, safekeeping of client assets or market abuse or uh, that we need to um, adhere to certain uh, disclosures or have capital requirements. But we actually only know the top level. So how it's going to be determined, that is still going to be the discussion that we're going to have in the next period of time. So if you look at Mika, the uh, well, it, 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 the, the effective date or the introduction date for stablecoin issuers, I think, is uh, mid 24. And for exchanges such as Bitfavo or, or VASPs, it's uh, the 30th. What is it, VASP? A VASP, a virtual asset service provider. Yeah, right. Or CASP, there's a, a crypto asset service. You have lots of these definitions. But the, the 30th of December 24 is going to be the effective date. So that's going to okay. be the big bang. Well, everybody's in a change freeze. Super nice timing. But um, uh, yeah, like as an industry, I think it's important to know that Mika is just there. And we know already that next month in October and in Q124, we are going to get a large chunk of extra rules. And that's actually where, where the, pud the pudding is being created before we can even start eating it. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, because maybe it's just good to add, to put things in perspective, right? When you look at the regulation, uh, and the, that's the way how European legislation typically works, is you have your top layer, um, your level one legislation, and yeah. that subsequently it's further being detailed. Huh? Like Wieger correctly mentioned by consultation and market. So hopefully the market also actually participates in getting input. And then the level two legislation is being developed. And then later on, I would expect that there will be further guidance by the regulators, usually first at the European level, ESMA, uh, but they also indicated that they will speak with the other ESAs, the other European supervisory authorities, like the European Banking Authority, because it also relates to the e-money tokens, right? So what is the e-money token? Uh, e-money token is basically a token which, uh, uh, let's say if we put it very simple, uh, is linked to one official uh, currency. So stable coins. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, but we, more or less. Uh, so, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, the, what, what is the aim? But also if you look at the, um, the, the, the regulation such, it's obviously highly complex. Uh, I think that's what I want to build on and not, don't deviate, let's say, to uh, uh, dive for the question, but it's more about the, we first see this level one, uh, legislation. Um, and that is, let's say, how it typically works in the financial markets. Uh, and so, Indeed, it's not nothing new. 
Um, but what is new and what is a bit of a trend, uh, which we see in new legislation, is that the legislation is being developed while parties are already put to a de certain deadline. In this case, the 30th of December to 2024, which seems a long way from us, but it's not. Uh, if you really want to implement, you really need to start acting yeah. uh, on it. Uh, that, and what is new? Because it's just, just like, uh, like building a startup, right? So you're building a car while you're still developing the car while you're driving it. Uh, you don't know how the roads will, uh, will happen. So now, because that was also the, one of the interesting topics that we discussed in our uh, pre-discussion. I mean, we're talking about what is new, but I think one of you already mentioned like the, the MIGAR, it is already outdated. It's basically, as a Dutch saying is beautifully mentioning, like it is putting uh, old wine in new bottles, new bags, right? Do you agree on that? Like still, is it already no. outdated? No, no I disagree no. with that. Okay. I actually do think that basically MICA um, introduces one thing that is very important yeah. and is very new for the entirety of the industry, which is in fact the recognition that crypto assets do exist. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't really anything that said something that is so uh, definitely, that can definitely be a statement in, in that perspective. Yeah. Uh, and we see struggling, for example, the, the, the US, the SEC, for instance, struggling because they don't have this definition, they don't have this recognition. Crypto assets, in fact, in US, arguably right now, I could say that they do not exist. In fact, it is all about, you know, commodities, it's all about securities, and where are they? In, whereas with MICA, essentially, we are Europe, uh, for how imperfect and for how uh, probably ill-defined it is right now, we have this uh, statement, which is an official statement, and is probably the first real important statement uh, Europe-wise, that in fact, crypto assets do exist. Yeah, I, I agree. If you also compare to the discussions prior, which uh, if you look at, for instance, in the UK, uh, the whole crypto industry was also ready. Like we also want to do some sort of Mika. And then they ended up with gambling, which is, uh, of course, not where yeah, if you want to develop and you want to have a thriving industry, then it's, of course, very not, it's unbeneficial if you're done being labeled as a gamble, gambling industry. Yeah. Now, are there any pressing regulatory challenges that are not covered by MICAR or is everything already implemented? What do you think, Martijn? Wow. Yeah, the MICA, we also need to realize that it's already, let's say, quite far reaching, right? So the, it basically covers the whole market. And whether you're an exchange or other types of intermediaries, issuers or basically users, yeah? so uh, uh, investors in the product, yeah? then yeah. you suddenly um, need to be mindful of also market abuse regulation. So basically a, a package of rules that existed already for fixed income and your usual equities is now so also going to apply to crypto assets, which indeed is new, but at the same time is also to be developed because ESMA will come up with new guidelines to, to say, okay, where do, should we, uh, should we uh, put a pin in the ground between either what is a financial instrument or a crypto asset? Um, are we there yet uh, on your question? No, well, obviously uh, when you have MICA one, you will have MICA two, uh, yeah. I, I, I can already tell you. Uh, but equally, I think it's also good to realize, um, and that there will be a breakout session later on about tax aspects that is usually overlooked. Yeah, uh, uh, for well, there are, there are many different things that are overlooked. One, one of the things, uh, according to me, is, for instance, just a statement about the harmonization with 
other kind of laws. I mean, there isn't really anything that right now says, for instance, how uh, you know MICA compliant companies can also comply with GDPR, for instance. This is True. one uh, topic that is very dear to me uh, at Dusk because you know uh, Dusk is a privacy preserving um, uh, protocol. And uh, so the harmonization is definitely one. There is another one, which is also a very interesting aspect, which MICA doesn't touch at all, which is governance. Mm. I mean, we saw, for, for instance, a new form of governance like DAOs, for, for example, which is not new. I mean, DAOs have been, uh, have been there since 2015 from the disaster of the DAO. But just because it was a disaster, the first experiment, then you would probably expect the regulation to be aware of it and to uh, you know express a certain particular you know opinion at least so that is also something that is that is definitely missing uh, i think i think gen gen like regulation is is always behind because regulation is always a response to something that's happening in the market mm -hmm. in this case i think the events of last 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 years have also uh, accelerated some of the things so we know this is just the beginning it's a journey we need to get there there already talks about mika 2 uh, as long as we have it on the on the roadmap, that also on the decentralized side, there is a lot of benefit, but there's also a lot of uh, risks that we need to mitigate or can mitigate. And potentially, it's also that we as users are going to expect more from decentralized uh, uh, exchanges or decentralized uh, intermediaries. I think having such standards in place will also kind of uh, set a higher bar for for other instances and entities. Focusing on these users, because we've been focusing on micro impacts on, on organizations, on governments and, and that kind of stuff. But um, users, that was also one of the questions coming from the audience. Um, how will micro impacts the individual investor that either buys or holds or is act actively trading assets of uh, with, yeah, crypto assets? Yeah, if I, I may, if I may, yeah, if I may sure, start, please. because users and adoption is also yeah. <laughs> quite <laughs> quite important for uh, uh, for the last protocol. Uh, then I would say that users are impacted in a lot of different ways. So the, probably the most immediate one is the fact that there are strict requirements that, for for instance, for what concerns KYC, right? So at know the your moment, customer. Yes, yeah. you know, know your customer and uh, anti-money laundering um, you know, regulations that will come in effect. So, for instance, but uh, of course, the colleagues at Bitbubble will probably say a little more about it, but whenever you are um, you know, off-ramping or on-ramping the liquidity to crypto or from crypto... What do you mean? Okay, maybe make ah, it okay, okay. So, when, uh, when you are in crypto, you are essentially into a sandbox, right? So, I cannot really go uh, to the supermarket and buy stuff with Ethereum, I need fiat. So when so I am some shops in the Netherlands to, offer to, to, some, right? to some shop, yeah. you know the 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 forward-looking one, the uh, the wise one. Uh, but for you know most people, for my mother, for instance, um, then when they go shopping, they need fiat, right? Or yeah. like so, euros, like dollars, like euros, yeah. like dollars. And of course, one of the good things about Mica is the fact that uh, a digital. Uh, representation of fiat is indeed uh, one of the, uh, these other things that has been recognized, but indeed off-ramping or on-ramping means uh, essentially turning crypto in fiat and vice versa, right? So whenever uh, a user needs to off-ramp or on-ramp, it needs to do so according to certain rules that uh, they have never been completely enforced and they were sort of a patchwork of the different CASP 
uh, WASP, whatever, yeah. WASP, whatever you want to call them. So virtual uh, asset service provider or crypto asset service provider. So basically means like nowadays, a bit far with all the cryptocurrency exchanges to make it very easy. Everybody's ob obliged to identify themselves, right? That's one of the key things to really make sure the cryptocurrency exchange is uh, making sure to check your identity, to save your identity, to make sure that you are the person know who's actually proclaiming themselves on the platform, trading, buying, whatever, holding assets. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. indeed. This Collecting is a lot of data and ultimately, and that is also not only Micra, but also Duck8, uh, which is coming at us. Basically, that is... Sorry, what is it? Duck8? DAC8. Uh, look it up, but we, we will speak about it later on as well. But it's basically a tool for tax transparency. Uh, mm. and, and there, if you look at Duck8, uh, um, it's uh, basically building on the definitions of what MICA is providing for, uh, but imposing uh, an obligation for a lot of these exchanges to report a lot of data. Uh, and and, and uh, so, uh, but that it also means about, let's say, who is trading on the platform and on an aggregated basis, the type of volume for the different types of um, tokens uh, which are being traded. So, um, no, in, in, and, and that also ties back to your question. Have we seen the end of the regulation yet? No, but we, we can also still use some of the other pieces like uh, the, your, your ordinary civil law uh, protections, which you also need to take into account. So it, it, it is a little bit too much. You can maybe ask, I, I don't think so, no. but it's just a mindset change, uh, which we need to go through. Now we've been. Please. Can I can I just want just from the from the from the client side because I think what's if you look at the user side what 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 the this set of regulations will bring is harmonization about how how we in Europe think um, we should protect our clients and I think that's a very important factor. It has been a wild west. We are seeing firms with lower standards uh, uh, that that are actually uh, uh, setting a lower bar for everybody. And if we want to have mass adoption for uh, uh, blockchain, crypto, Web3, then we need a viable and, and, uh, and good story about this. So that's uh, something that we need to uh, continue to build on together. Yeah, I think it's important to continue building on because we've, for now, in my perspective, we've only been discussing centralized solutions, right? Mm -hmm. With like an entity, like a BV in the Netherlands, like it's a limited agency, but um, blockchain, you know, in basis is of course decentralized. So how are we going to um, regulate these uh, decentralized protocols, like the decentralized finance, the decentralized autonomous organizations? Uh, is, is it actually possible? Yes, it is. I, it is. I firmly be believe it is. <laughs> okay. So the, the, what is actually decentralization? This is probably the question is pertinent. Uh, and this goes a little away from Micah, but I'll, I'll, I'll get back there in a second. It's basically self-sovereignty. Right, so self-custody, the capability for a user to have to exert complete control over the assets that they that they own. This is the decentralization. That is what it is. So, if, so they're not stored we, at the bank, but you own your own coins exactly. or self-sovereign. You own your own identity. Exactly. Yeah. You own or you dispose, you control, you compose. Depending, I mean, these kind of actions start yeah. from the user, and there is nobody that can uh, according to a framework of law, and this is why compliance is very important because there is a, a, a legislative compliance, but there is also a technical compliance. 
for instance, you cannot use uh, the internet to send uh, uh, an SMS uh, directly. You need to go through a certain translation layer. So that is a technical compliance. So because of that, um, basically, the uh, self-sovereignty is the decentralization or the, one of the key ingredients of decentralization. This means that translating law into code might, in fact, just provide you with what a regulated and decentralized uh, finance might actually mean, which is what we are trying to do. Martin, do you agree? Yes, but at the same time, but this is always the legal answer, is let's say there are two sides of, of, of coins, I would almost say, <laughs> right? Because on, on the, um, uh, so because if you look at uh, MICA, it also really focuses on still uh, some intermediary risk which you like to cover off by means of the crypto asset intermediaries and the crypto asset service providers. So, um, but indeed the question is, and recently the European Systematic Board also came out with a new report about, let's say, to what extent is decentralized financing actually decentralized, right? Are there ultimately not only a few players who, who direct uh, how things are going? And then it's maybe more of a question. And I, I, I like that, that phrase. Uh, if you look at the same kind of activities with the same risk, you should apply the same kind of rules. And I, I think that's what, what we are now after. Um, and so true, I, I think that with, with regard to the actual decentralized solutions, uh, MICA may not be the, the, let's say, providing a lot of um, um, guidance. guidance but you also have, we already have tools, eh? so it, it does not mean that the regulator is completely without any teeth uh, to, uh, to, to enforce you that we need. And you also run uh, additional risk if, uh, so, so we also need more guidance for decentralization and decentralized finance, because otherwise it might happen that the traditional or the classical finance industry, which then crypto will also be part of, even if you look at it, uh, that, that you have uh, like these de-risking issues that uh, all decentralized uh, finance is being cut off from the traditional entrance points, which is also not beneficial for growing uh, uh, an industry. So uh, that's why we, uh, yeah, we we need to build. I think that's my uh, my uh, main point for today. Yeah, we're not no. done yet. We're not done. Yeah, but I guess what you already mentioned is like an ongoing process. It will never end, right? So we have like next. Uh, yeah, we have like uh, quarter two of next year. We have December of next year. So milestones will be set. Um, to, to close down the, the panel, what should be incorporated in Micar version two? Do you already have some thoughts about like, you know, what should be incorporated? Like another, a new aspect, uh, for example, the, the combination of crypto within the metaverse or what kind of um, elements uh, would you love to get like, you know, incorporated in the you next version first? of Micar? You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. There are three things that I actually would like to see incorporated. The very first thing mm -hmm. is basically how uh, the digital identity uh, regulation because also we saw not only MICA uh, happening lately but also the EU DI, so the European Union Digital Identity, um, that is another regulation or a suite of different tools that have been um, you know propagated by the European Union and I think it is key and very important to uh, you know harmonize MICA with the EUDI. That is the first thing that I would like to see happening. The second thing that I would like to see happening is basically uh, a more formal um, you know, opinion about uh, governance, about what kind of governance and what 
uh, the different kind of governance need to take into consideration in order to comply to the law. Because uh, if we are talking about a decentralization that is user-centric, then that is different than a governance-centric decentralization. Essentially, basically having somebody that hoards all the tokens uh, if it is on it is on chain governance and uh, can you know dictate uh, governance about certain specific tasks. And the third one is privacy. More privacy. Okay. If if I could express a desire, it would be fantastic if in Micro Two we we would also spend time and consideration to basically private international law considerations. Um, something which is often overlooked is, let's say, the potential conflicts between the different laws that apply to activities, services, or tokens. Um, and uh, ultimately, that is something to be mindful of. So if, if let's say, in, in MICA or uh, ancillary legislation, we could uh, spend time on considerations. Okay, you have those tokens. They are being administered with either Bitfavo or with, with the con Coinbase in London, which rules do actually apply? Um, should you look at, indeed, the protocol? Uh, should, should we look at the governing law of uh, the, the, the relevant issuer? What should we look at? Um, currently, we have ways around it to think about it, but it's not easy. I, I think it would very welcome the international trade and, and, and uh, to, to really put that to, uh, to bed. Yeah. For me, the, as already mentioned earlier, the, the fact that crypto assets are now being recognized as, uh, as, an, uh, as, as, as something that's there or uh, is being adopted for me, Mika2 should be less. So Mika2 should be scaling down, uh, trying to connect it more to already existing parts of the legislation. So, um, yeah, yeah, forget I'm, what I said, that. <laughs> <laughs> because in the end, it's, it's not new. All the stuff that's in Mika is a transposition of something that's already applying for 5, 10, 15, 20 years in traditional classical finance. Um, so let's, let's indeed, uh, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction is always to get more regulation into place. I would like to really make a statement for less and make it simpler and easier. Make it simpler, make it easier. Um, gentlemen, uh, good luck with the further implementation, the further developments within your own organization. Wieger, Martijn and Emil Wedden. Many thanks for the conversation. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.